0: Buddy, welcome to Take a Knee. I'm so glad you joined me here today, and my message, my point here today, is going to be hopefully encouraging, challenging, taking us from darkness to light, which is. Always the goal and the hope here on Take a Knee. And again, just to remind you what Take a Knee is all about is when the coach comes and gathers around his team, he's got a moment to communicate something very important. He says, hey guys, take a knee. Everybody takes their helmet off and they look to the coach and the coach will then proceed to give some points that are pretty important to the practice, to potentially the game coming up. It's a moment to speak into the team and... Uh, had that experience many times. So that's what we're doing here. I'm asking you to take a knee just for a moment, 20 to 25 minutes of where I can encourage you. So in the world, we see a methodology, an attempt that is so familiar because Jesus told us it would come. In fact, this idea of division has been around, you know, forever from the beginning. Adam and Eve in the garden, Satan dividing the father's creation from himself. And of course, division that was between Cain and Abel. And this division is something that will erupt into destructive behavior, even murder. What we see going on in the world is very plain and very simple. Something that we have seen over and over again as a result of the fall of man. And division is something that we need to be aware of. But I'm really going to talk a little bit about division today. But what I really want to talk about today is loneliness. Because see, loneliness is the fruit of division. Now follow me here for a moment. So we know that Division can happen in any group. Of course, obviously, to have division, you got to have more than one person. Although (laughs) I'll talk about that in a second. But when you got division going on, you're usually talking about a group of people. You're talking about a team. You're talking about a group of people, whether it be office team members or a staff or a church or a nation, that division will be obvious. And it might surprise you that. The idea of this divisive attempt has been around a long time, as I had mentioned. We might even call it the agenda, the agenda. And when we think of the agenda, it's a list of things that you go down through and want to look at. If you're wanting to get something done, you put together an agenda to help you accomplish your goals on a team. the coach might put together an agenda of how he wants each aspect of his team to train and to build and to come into a corporate sense that they're working together and accomplishing a goal. So that's a good agenda. But what if the agenda is bad? What if the agenda is to be divisive? Then we've got something going on that is very diabolical. It's demonic. And so obviously in this world, that's what it's about. Now, follow me on this. It is to bring the world together, but to make them more isolated than they've ever been. Because they sell to us, they sell to mankind, every human being, every country, man, woman and child, that if we all will just be together in this new world order or if we gather together in a global unity, then we'll all be happier. But see, they know in order to accomplish that, they've actually got to divide us. And to make us lonely. They got to do both of those things at the same time. And that seems really odd, doesn't it? When they talk unity and togetherness and we are the world. And you know, the enemy has made these feints, these attempts over and over again. We know from what we read in scripture is that eventually the father is going to allow this to happen because it will be the indictment, it will be the fall. And essentially the reason why Christ comes back again and the father says, okay, enough, we're done. It's time for the enemy. His judgment is due so we know that's going to eventually happen but what's interesting as you study history is that he has made feints or attempts over and over again going as far back as John saying and speaking about the Antichrist see Paul says the Antichrist will be a person and he says this has to happen first before the coming so he's encouraging the Thessalonians but then John is over here saying that the Antichrist is already here now he's not speaking of the person he's speaking of the spirit The Antichrist spirit, which will give birth and essentially come together in a man. But when we're talking about the spirit, it's here today, folks. And it's been here from the moment Jesus arrived. And so it is a constant, divisive, evil attempt to discredit the Lord. You read it in Isaiah 32, where it says there that those who have evil intent will try to discredit the Lord. And we see this over and over again. And it is a part of the agenda. Isn't that crazy? I was just reading and I mentioned Sunday and I will make somewhat of an adjustment, not necessarily a retraction, but an adjustment. This 10 point agenda regarding the destruction of Christianity and the bringing forth of a new world order or what was originally coined as the New Age. Let's see if I can remember the woman's name, Alice Bailey, her 10 point plan to destroy Christianity. Now, that's not the way she wrote it. She wrote it as a 10 point plan and how to create a new age, which did not include Christianity. So you might just call that an antichrist spirit, wouldn't you? You would call it an antichrist spirit agenda. Now, the crazy thing about this is that 10 point agenda may not be a part of the UN charter directly because I did say that's a part of the UN charter. It's not a part of the UN charter, but it is a part of the UN agenda. There is no doubt about that. And that those 10 points are located on site at the UN and uh, apparently in a special room. So I don't know a lot about that, and I probably should do more research, but it is confirmed that it is one that has been adopted, this 10-point agenda. So it's to bring division in order to bring unity. Uh, Folks, look at that just for a minute. On one hand, it has a sense of, oh, of hope, because it's like, well, we've got to destroy everything in order to bring forth a new thing. And that's the whole idea of the phoenix, isn't it? That the phoenix burns and dissolves into nothing so that it might be reborn again and it's really a counterfeit of what we know is going to happen because the earth is going to burn and god is going to bring out new heaven and new earth isn't that interesting that these themes continue to arrive and show up in many different philosophies and even religions but the original idea is god's But it absolutely makes sense that the enemy is going to constantly create counterfeits to divert us away from the Father, the Creator, from Christ. So they have a a sense, they have hope, but in the end, they really do destroy. They tear down and they bring loneliness. One of the things I see going on in our culture today is a growing loneliness because we are becoming more isolated. And that is the goal. If you don't understand it, folks, you do need to understand it. And you need to communicate this to others as much as you possibly can. And the answer, though, of course, is the church. The answer is the body of Christ. The answer is people gathering together And talking and praying with one another in koinonia, the fellowship that comes as a result of the spirit of God. See, as believers, we are joined at the hip. We are literally the body of Christ and we are joined together with every joint and marrow and each one of us supply purpose to the other. That's incredible, isn't it? Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 10, I believe, and chapter 12, when he speaks about our gifts and about how important we are to one another. It's Romans 12. And so anyway, the result of this agenda is loneliness. It's cutting people off by separating us they will create affinity groups, but these groups split even more. So here's something you gotta see. and we're seeing this take place right now. It's not just division and causing people to go into chaos, you know, right off the bat. You just can't do that because then you'll have destruction and you won't have anything else left. But they got to create groups first, affinity groups or divisive groups. And we see that taking place. They divided us man and woman. They're dividing What does the scripture says that in the end times, you know, even children will rise up to accuse their parents and drag them into jail. Divisiveness, going after children so they accuse their parents, going after sexes so that they accuse the other one, calling each other every kind of phobia and that amazing you know homophobia gender phobia xenophobia every kind of phobia well what about christophobia they're afraid of christianity too aren't they you know i often use that but yeah it's to use fear to bring separation and yet so when you find yourself in a room with the people with like beliefs you now there's power there and so a sense of connectedness. And so they're able to use loneliness that is the product of division to then bring affinity groups together. But then it doesn't stop there. It will continue to break down those affinity groups because in the end, the affinity groups don't matter to those who will eventually try to control the earth. They don't care about people. They know they don't care about people. They're selfish and narcissistic and they serve a God that is of this earth They think and they promote care of people, but it is the biggest upside down mind screw you've ever seen that they literally tell you one thing, but they're doing another. And this, again, is the ultimate sense of demonic activity and what is the ultimate goal is to split and to be divisive of groups but here catch this one don't miss this part he also wants the enemy the devil and his followers want to eventually split the personality split us in half split us away make us be divided away from our creator and then in and of ourselves to be divided there's a word for that It's called being psychotic. It's called mental illness. You're going to be blown away at what I'm getting ready to tell you. But they say that a full 20 to 30 percent of young people, I forgot what the age was, but I want to say 30 years and younger, a full 20 to 30 percent of people 30 years and younger are mentally ill. Now, you got to sit on that one just for a minute. You've got to think about it. And you have to ask yourself the question, why? What on earth has happened to this generation to cause that much destructive thinking? I mean, what really has changed? Has the world not gotten better? I mean, we have great technology. We have great food. We have restaurants. We have schools. We have resorts and wonderful places. But why are people melting down Well, it's on purpose. It is absolutely on purpose. All of these wonderful things are not the answer. And most certainly not affinity groups that would stand opposed to God. Because again, division is an ugly thing. So this loneliness is what is permeating our society. It's growing. But let me encourage you, Christian, we've got the answer. I have told my congregation that the answer to all of what's going on in the world today was God's answer. And what was God's answer? God's answer is a growing, healthy, vibrant, growing both in character but also in numbers, a healthy church. Growing, healthy, Bible preaching. And when I say healthy, I mean Bible focused, teaching the word of God and watching the level of people's mental awareness and mental health grow as well. And the church will encounter this because the castaways and the refugees of this broken world are going to eventually start streaming into the church if they're not already. If they're not already and you, my friend, can be a part of receiving these people. Some examples from scripture where we see divisiveness and you think of what took place right there with Jesus. Jesus has his 12, but among the 12 is Judas and One of the things you learn from scripture is that there's always a message and you don't want to get into numerology and geometry and all that mess, but there's always a message in what Jesus did because the assumption is that because he is God, that he knows all things, that he was omniscient as well as being omnipotent and yet human. And so what did he know and when did he know it? Well, he knows all things and he's always known it. But we get this impression that in his human state, these things are revealed to him by the father. Well, he certainly said that himself. He says, I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it. So there is this aspect of revelation that is taking place as he is more and more aware Of really who he is from a child to a full grown adult. So here he is. He's got Judas among him and he knows. He knows that this is a divisive man and that he is going to be the one who will eventually betray him. And so you got to have a lot of questions, don't you? But what we find is that there'll always be some measure of divisiveness that is going to be among God's people, even in the church. You read Paul's writings to the Corinthians in Romans, especially in Corinthians, where Paul is calling out divisive sects and groups among the church there in Corinth. Corinth is a mess, and Paul spent a good deal of time there, so you almost see more of his fatherly role as he's speaking into that church, correcting them, rebuking them, and calling them out on tolerating certain things in the church. But especially in this area of divisiveness, he'll definitely go to town on that and just saying, look, you can't let that in because it attracts the devil. It really does. And so my encouragement to you, my friend, is to not let divisiveness into any aspect of your life, whether it be at work, don't be a divisive employee, whether it be in your home, don't be a divisive individual, don't be a divisive spouse, don't be a divisive young person, don't be a divisive Christian in your local church. Don't do it because you're going to attract the devil Like flies and moths to the flame. I was going to say flies to the stuff, right? And uh, moths to the flame. And that's exactly what divisiveness does. It says that every evil practice will follow it. Mm. And we're also called to warn divisive people when they come into the church or they're beginning to function that way. Well, I want to finish with some encouragement because when we think about what's taking place in the world today... And loneliness is the byproduct. It is what is plaguing this generation of young people and beginning to seep into the hearts of even the church. We need to see that loneliness is actually a gift. Now, you're going to really think I'm crazy. I remember when I first moved from Michigan down to North Carolina, I was young And it hit me. I was alone. I was in a different culture. I was in a different world. I was alone. I had left my family and I didn't know anybody. And everybody seemed strange and odd to me because of the culture, the military, all the different things that I was experiencing. And I really began to melt down, honestly. And I remember one night I went into the chapel in the Bible college I was attending. And I just cried out to God because I was like, you know, Jesus, please take this from me. You know, do I have to endure this loneliness? Do I have to endure this exposure? And, you know, obviously I'm a young man. I'm still a boy at heart and just alone, lonely. But God used that because you know what happened to me at that point? I drew closer to God. I died to myself. I really saw this as a springboard for me to get closer to the Lord myself. And it was so good because then I began crying out to him. I began talking to him more. I began asking him questions. I began digging into the word. I began to really enjoy my fellowship with him. And notice that's exactly what God wants us to do. In a lonely world, we're not alone. In a lonely world, Jesus told us, He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So think of it, what the enemy means for evil and trying to divide and to make us lonely and isolated. You can never take Jesus away, can you? I mean, you can lock me in a cell and Jesus will still be there. You can put me on a lonely island like they did John. But then John got the revelation of a lifetime, right? The revelation. You can't take God from us. Which is, again, a wonderful thought. And the ministering angels that come and, and can help us and take care of our needs if we believe. It's an amazing thing. So loneliness really is a gift, if we can see it that way, and begin to embrace it. So let me finish with some encouragement. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, three through 3-7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Notice it's never static. It is always motion that what God does in us, we are expected and naturally felt led to give it away. That if we are being comforted in our loneliness, then we want to reach for others. Then we want to tell them, hey, you don't have to be lonely. We can comfort you. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, loneliness, so also our comfort abounds through Christ, fellowship. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And so again, that's another byproduct of loneliness is perseverance, strength, a stronger soul, and again, reliance upon God. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Paul is saying, our battles, our struggles, he and his team. He said, this is all going to be good. Pray for us, but also know that what we're going through is going to be in the end for your comfort. We're going to be able to speak to you and tell you it's going to be okay. The very fact that I'm able to stand up in front of my congregation and say anything, anything that I say, I can look at them and they know that I've been doing this and walking with Jesus for 43 years, That they can say, you know what? We can do this. If he can do it, if he can raise a family, if he can experience joy and peace and fellowship with God, if he can tell us about how he has been comforted, then we ourselves will be comforted. This is the ultimate goal that we continue to be the hands and feet of Christ in every area of our life, but most especially. In that area of comfort, when it comes to loneliness and separation and division, all that the enemy uses for evil, God uses for good because they can never separate us from the love of God. Can they not? Isn't that what Paul told us there in Romans chapter eight? Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing on this earth, nothing under the earth nothing in the heavens, nothing created by man, nothing, no weapon formed against us is gonna prosper, but nothing can separate us from our fellowship with the living God. And in that place, my friend, you will never, ever be lonely. God bless. You have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.